Casey. I'm super excited to release this podcast series to you. Um, we sat down with licensed professional counselor Chelsea Brown. She's a friend of mine from way back in the day. We went to junior high and high school together, and it's just been such a cool thing to see how God has used her in her career. And also, um, you're going to get a lot of wisdom just from her, even from her faith perspective, um, and how that all intertwines into her mental health journey as well. Um, and so this first episode, we just sat down with um, her and just asked her, like, what is mental health? What is all that involved? Um, and she's just going to give you some great practical handles um, to navigate even your own mental health journey. And so super excited about that. And if you haven't been tracking with us on the 800 Pound Gorilla series, then I want to encourage you to go to tccconline.tv um, and you can catch up on the series there. Again, it's just a great resource to go along with that series. So I hope you enjoy well, hey, thanks for jumping in. Um, as we work through our series on the 800-pound gorilla, we have Chelsea Brown here with us. Chelsea Brown is a friend of mine um, from way back in high school, junior high days. And so we've uh, known each other from way back in the past, but she is now um, a counselor, therapist, and well, she can tell you a little bit more about what she exactly does. Um, but th- definitely she has some great insights. So we wanted to bring her on, have a conversation with her so that you all would have a great um, resource that you guys just watch and just get some ideas and um, glean some stuff from. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm Chelsea Brown. I am an, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Oklahoma. Um, and in Oklahoma, we call them LPCs. So uh, that's kind of like your run-of-the-mill therapist in our neck of the woods. Um, so I have been an LPC for about 12 years now, um, and then I specialize in trauma-focused work. So I work with um, first responders, EMS, police, fire um, for their PTSD needs. But I also work with women in domestic violence and uh, the kids from the advocacy center that have had cases of abuse um, and neglect. So I kind of get a front row seat to um, the heavy is what we call it around here. I get a front row seat to the heavy. Um, Fun fact, I don't know if this is fun, but it's just helpful information. I've been married to the same guy since high school for 17 years, and we have four kiddos. So, Oh, and he is a child crimes investigator, which means we're really fun at parties between the two. Yeah, I bet. Speaking of heavy. We have a list. Yeah, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, I was, just, I was saying just speaking of heavy, you know, both yeah. of you, you know, are, 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 are waiting into, you know, I love that word heavy. Uh, yeah. But uh, I can just imagine the amount of help and hope you guys are bringing to countless people. So thanks for doing what you do. Yeah, no problem. We try. Definitely. Well, Chelsea, I know we have a list of questions and um, hopefully we can get through most of them. But if not, we'll get where we get today. Um, so, Chris, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I think, you know, the the big overarching question is that that phrase mental health. And, uh, you know, it gets thrown around and especially the last two years. I mean, it's been around forever, but uh, the last two years, I think with just everything our country, our world has experienced, you know, that mental health has really been a buzzword, you know, everywhere you go. And so maybe just start there to sharing, you know, when it comes to mental health, you know, what is it, the categories, the degrees, like all of it. And, and maybe just to help bring it into maybe some clarity as people are just, you, know, you see that phrase everywhere. Yeah, I think mental health is one of those phrases that's so like cute and kitschy that it's, it sort of just gets slapped on like a lot of things. And I think definitions help for sure. Um, so as a, a cognitive behavioral therapist, what we talk about is how your 
thoughts affect the way that you feel, affect the way that you behave. And I'm kind of making a triangle motion because that's what it's mapped for whenever we talk about things. That the way you think leads to the the feelings that you feel and it leads to the behaviors, the things that you do, your actions. And so we talk about mental health in terms of like those things are congruent because they're accurate and they're helpful. So when your thoughts are accurate, then your feelings will be regulated and your behaviors will take you in the direction that you want to go. And that, by definition, is what somebody looks like when they're mentally and emotionally healthy. Um, From a Christian perspective, it's your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors are congruent with what God's word says. Um, So that those things sort of, so from a Christian slant, you know, we're also looking at, are we being congruent to what, what is true in scripture? If the things that you're telling yourself line up with that truth, then so will your feelings and so will your behaviors and you will be a spiritually healthy person. So that's kind of where, you know, those two things sort of touch each other. But essentially mental health is all three of those are in line and in tune and helping you function towards purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then so within that triangle, like there's like there's degrees, you know, that comes into play there or intensities or not sure the right word. But, you know, there's probably people all all over that spectrum, you know, um, what what you know, when someone goes you know, my mental health and they're trying to just maybe suss out, you know, again, I'm not sure if this is the right way to word it, but how how bad, you know, this is a question I asked this summer to a guy, um, great business leader. And he, uh, uh, you know, leads at a very high high level, but he was very honest about his depression and anxiety. And so, you know, it was kind of a personal step of a conversation. And I was wondering myself, like, how bad am I, (laughs) you know, like, and it's really the degree question. Right. And, um, so, like, how do you help people to navigate through you know, the intensity, which I think maybe comes along with, you know, how much help do I need? How long of help? Should I get help now? You know, what's that next step when it comes to that? For sure. Um, so, and as all these answers are going to be, there's so much nuance because, like, you know, person to person, like, obviously, I've got to do the disclaimer that if you think things are getting bad, yeah, go get help. Go talk to somebody for, for sure. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Um, but you can kind of understand when you talk about thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, where different disorders would crop up at. So somebody who is constantly telling themselves worst case scenario thinking, which I think you hit on this a little bit in your sermon, you know, they're going to have that anxiety. No, maybe nothing has even happened yet. But that is the that is the origin story for anxiety is the thoughts that I'm telling myself are these worst care, worst case scenario thinking patterns that are leading to this intense feeling of dread, which is leading me then to maybe avoid conversations that I need to have or interactions that might be fruitful for me. But I can't because these thoughts and feelings are keeping me from that behavior the way that I need to. Now, that can start out small. And sometimes if you have the right network of people around you, which is why like wise counsel and community and all of those things are so important, um, you know, maybe that's all you need is somebody to be like, hey, I don't, that thought doesn't sound quite right to me. Like, and that's just enough that like, that's where that, that dies. Like that's where it goes to die is that, that community. And it's, it's it, the anxiety's crushed. We move forward. Um, I think more often though, especially in these days and times, you have a lot of people who over time, um, those, I think Craig Rochelle says in his book, those footpaths become roads, become highways. And over time, I don't even know that they might not possibly be accurate. I think they're gospel. I think they're truth. And what that leads to is such a significant deterioration in my ability to regulate my feelings that my relationships are suffering. My work life is suffering. 
Um, and at that point, that's usually when somebody's like, I think something's wrong. Um, and they're right. Something, something is not quite adding up the way that it needs to. And those are usually the times where we say like that, that professional level of intervention is, is, is probably a good call. Um, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and get somebody in there that has the, the bandwidth and um, the space and the time to really hash those things out with you. And then, of course, worst case scenario is sometimes those things get so big and so bad for so long that people need um, intensive outpatient or they may even need a hospitalization for how severe this gets, which is all the more important that we have these conversations that we're having today because the whole point is, right. is let's let's get in front of it, not behind it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really can span the gamut for like, uh, there, you know, I've got some thoughts that are sticking all the way to I probably need somebody professional to help me sort these all the way up to, man, we are in a really bad place and we need like that intensive intervention. Um, but I think that just goes to show how important, you know, these conversations are to even just be putting definitions to things. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's super important. I think even when I think of like, um, just when I like, if I'm struggling with something, right, like I might come up with some kind of excuse not to check it out. Um, I just be like, oh, like, I just got to get to this day or, you know, whatever, just get a cup of coffee and I'm sure I'll just figure it out. But yeah. And those things continue to mount, which, you know, I think we all kind of create barriers not to, not to deal with it. Maybe because we think, Oh, um, there's a stigma behind mental health or whatever it is, or even a stigma by time um, behind seeing a counselor. It's like, what, what are some of those barriers that you, you see even when people are just like, yeah, I didn't really want to mess with this because of this, whatever that barrier might be. Oh man. So this was a great question. When I saw it, I was like that we're asking the right questions. So that made me really happy. Um, first of all, I, I think that, um, gosh, man, I feel like we've really gotten comfortable with a level of normal. That's not necessarily healthy. Um, and, and I, I think there are a lot of times where people are like, the, the end result may be big and scary, but they didn't realize that the 10 steps up to that were that got them there. It's like I blew up at the the, the cashier at Walmart, but where we're like, where did that come from? Like what, what happened there? And there was probably 10 thoughts that came before that, but every one of those seemed normal um, at the time. Like they they seemed healthy. They seemed justifiable. And I think the problem with that is, is that um, when we get used to normal patterns of thinking, we are less prone. If we think it's normal, we're less prone to self-reflect. And I think self-awareness is kind of a skill that we have downplayed in our like American culture a little bit mm -hmm. um, more than maybe we should have. Cause that's the root of wisdom is to really sit back and go like, what is it that I'm telling myself? Is that God breathed? Is that scripture? Where did that come from? Is that something that somebody else has said to me from like way back in the day? Like, to actually get the room to process those things would have stopped you from getting to that end result. But I think we normalize a lot of things and we hear it in social media and we hear it from other people like you don't owe them anything, you know, like, and it's like, Oh, that feels good. I like that. And it feels normal. And so then you do that in your next 10 interactions with people. So then it's, it's just a hop, skip and a jump to, I don't have to treat that cashier with respect because I don't owe them anything. Like I'm looking out for mm -hmm. me. And it's like, well, that's not scripturally, there's no integrity in that to what we know, but I don't think people do that intentionally. I think it's just part of their normal. And I don't think they check that normal against healthy. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers that we see is people not checking. Maybe that's a cute phrase for it, not checking their normal against what's healthy. Um, mm -hmm. the, other one, the other one that's huge is just busyness. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so easy 
to ignore um, self-appraisal and self-processing when you have to be at a, a t-ball game and then you have to get home and you got to make dinner and then after dinner you got to get baths and after baths you got to check homework and you got to put the monday folder in and you, you got to do all these things and then you lay at bed and your spouse is like hey what was that blow up about earlier i don't even know i'm exhausted hmm. and you just get up you rinse off and you're like rinse repeat <laughs> just do it yeah. all over again until at some point you crash because you don't have time to self-reflect the way that you really need to which is why therapy, I mean, somebody literally sets aside an hour um, or two every single week to be like, now let's reflect. Um, and I'm always wonder like, would I have a job if people got into the habit <laughs> of just doing that on their own? Like just every day, take an hour for like meditation and prayer and self-reflection and who, you know, who am I and what's going on in me? You know, like maybe I would, I don't know. Hey, if you lose your job over that, I feel like that's a win, yeah. right? I mean, that's the whole idea anyway, is to put myself out of a job. But I always wonder, like, man, if we did a better job of self-reflecting how and then holding one another accountable, like, would we really even need this as much as it's present now? But we do. We totally need it right now. It's it's rough. Right, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's the hope is one day, you know, there's not a need for my job, especially if we in church communities are, are setting in at the stride on how to do that well. But those are the two main things that I normally see um, is people thinking that continuing on is normal the way that they are and their healthy doesn't match or their normal doesn't match healthy. Um, and then just being busy, ridiculously mm -hmm. busy. Which, which you think about that, 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 you know, the, the, we, we've all come to a place where we're saying that's normal, right? Like when you say that word, it's like, yeah, that's, and the church has allowed that to happen. I say the church is a broad brush stroke, but, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, when COVID, it wasn't COVID. Like we 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 use COVID as a the the word, but it's really the complete lack of control. Yeah. Where you know, we all know that we're not really in control, but we like to believe we're in control. And we were talking before before we started, you know, about Enneagram. And you know, Chelsea, you and I are both eights, and that's a that's an issue there for us eights. I think it's an issue for all people, but. uh uh, it can become a bigger issue. And I, I just think there's so much control that all of a sudden people just lost. And then you're trying, yeah, it, it just, everything was gone. And uh, and then the normal we were living in, which wasn't normal, but mm -hmm. now it, it just put pressure on it. And I think it really exposed just the condition of all of us. You know, I'm one of the all of us. You know, it just exposed a whole bunch that hasn't been worked on and haven't, hasn't, paid attention to and so as we've looked at especially the last you know several years with with covid lockdowns coming out of that you know the political landscape no matter what side or your viewpoint on politics it's been so contentious and then on top of that recession and war and you know finances and trying to find food and can i afford i mean all of that is just colliding which is just i think shoving a lot of people um, into a space where, you know, if they don't pay attention, right, it's crushing people. And so, you know, as you've just looked at over, especially the last couple of years, again, it was there before. It just put the pressure on it. Um, what changes have you seen when it just comes to individuals and mental health? It's another really good question. Um, nothing kills growth like comfort. Um, and, and so it, it's kind of one of those things that I think for a long time, we were able to just sort of 
take the beauty of growth and hide it under comfortability. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that because things are or appear to be, or we can even make them present as easy and calm and good. Um, we got away with that for a long time. Um, I say we got away with that. I would argue it was probably popping up in a lot of areas where we were losing ground and we didn't know. Um, but then all of a sudden you put people home for, for a year. And uh, even for therapists, it was incredible to watch therapists go, wait a minute, what? Like, we have to be home for a year with our own thoughts. Like, what are we supposed? To, what are we supposed to do with that? Um, I just think at that point there was some forced authenticity that was brought to the table. You really had to reflect. Um, you really had to pay attention to the gorilla. Um, I, I think that forced it. So, if there was any good thing that came out of all of that lack of control, which for me, I'm with you as an aide. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want predictable. I, my kids need to be in school and I need, I'm at work at seven 50. Like that is when I get to work. And all of that got ripped from you. It's like, we don't know when we go back to school, we don't know what a new work schedule looks like. Like we don't, we don't know if the income is going to stay the same. And that really forced you to look at how do I cope? What, what do I do when things are hard? Uh, and because pretending just wouldn't cut it anymore. Um, And I think that's what's really kind of been incredible. So to finish that sentence, the one good thing that I've seen is so many people are coming in and they're like, listen, I know things are getting better, but I don't want to be in that spot again. Um, I want to feel like I can stand strong and not have the wind knocked out of me the next time the world takes a turn. Um, And I actually think that that has forced a lot of people to kind of take a look at those things and prepare themselves emotionally and mentally for, for what comes next. I think we were all forced to sort of look at the truth of we don't have as much control as we think that we do. And how do we do that? Well, um, and if, if that's, that's what God needed, not that I think that God is responsible for all things that happen, but if there's some good that can come out of it. Um, I think that's one of those things where it's like, how do we mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves and how do we be there and be accountable for the people who are suffering that will need us in the future um, and I, I, I do think that people have had to ask themselves those those hard questions over the last two years. Yeah, the the, the good side of that, and you know, God God can take you know the most difficult of seasons and work for His good, you know. And and I'm seeing that happen, you know, just in this conversation here, and uh, what we're already seeing within our churches of just opening up the conversation. You know, there's some good that God's redeeming through a very difficult season. And uh, what, what excites me is, you know, that, you know, we talk about, you know, people's mental health and their spiritual health and those things are so interconnected, you know, we can't separate, can't separate those. And, uh, and so, you know, as, you know, church leaders, you know, we're trying to help people spiritually, which is in turn there, you know, that triangle you're talking about is, is, I mean, it's a story of Elijah that we're going through, you know, Week three, um, we're talking. I mean, using the word ruminating because I love the I love the word, uh, but it's just that thought process over and over and over again, and how that directs everything. And uh, Elijah was just, I mean, he's a classic definition. I mean, he was in a bad place, and he wasn't even better, even in conversation with God. He wasn't, you know, he was in a bad place, and God was so faithful and so used in a powerful way. And so, I think, you know, the conversation. Um, hopefully will be so helpful for people, especially, you know, as they try to go, but we got to move forward, but 
what you said, you know, I don't, I don't want to stay the same. I don't, I don't want to keep feeling this way and thinking mm-hmm. this way. So. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And I love that idea of, uh, that it just forced authenticity on us, right? Like we had to kind of deal with our own junk. Right. Um, and so last question for you, cause you started mentioning it a little bit, but I want to dive into a little bit more, but, um, just those positive things that you see coming out of, um, the changes in mental health, whether it's even positive changes coming out of the past couple of years or positive changes that are just um, coming more to light just now that we have, I don't know, more knowledge or more access to, um, to areas of health. Uh, what are some, some positive things that you see like moving forward in the future? Like, what do you see? Like, Oh man, this is going to be, this is going to work out great. This is going to be a great thing for, for individuals. Oh, um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try it because it's my last one. So I get to, I get to kind of answer these things a little bit and I'm excited to do so um, because I'm, I really am excited about where mental health is moving. I hate that it took something as horrible as two years of like upheaval um, to, to kind of get those conversations on the table, but I'm having so many amazingly intimate conversations with people Normally for a counselor, you're spending two or three weeks building rapport. Like, I mean, it's like a sales pitch. It's like a song and dance. <laughs> We're going to have fun. This is going to be good. Um, and we get to skip all that. Um, from I actually think from this point forward in counseling, people are coming in and they're like, you don't have to sell me on mental health. You don't have to sell me even on you. I don't even know you. I'm sure you're good enough. Like, just do something. And that is so wonderful, especially for an aide. Cause I'm like, great, let's go. You know, like let's, let's get all the things that we need to get done. People are passionate about, no, I want an actual healthy family. Like I don't want to, I don't want to coat this with, I don't want to whitewash this flimsy wall at all. Like I want the whole thing sturdy. And it's like, that's such a good want. Absolutely. Let's do that. Or they're like, I want my thoughts to be healthy. Um, I want to think about my family and my job and my future and my purpose in ways that move me forward and not backward. And as a therapist, I'm like, yep, let's do that. That sounds fantastic. Let's, I, let's do that. People are like, I want to get back in church or I want community. I, I want some kind of connection to people. I, I've just figured out over the last two years that I can't do this on my own. And it's like, mm-hmm. wonderful. Let's do that. So I actually think this is a really exciting time for therapists. People are coming in wrecked, but at the same time, (laughs) they're at such a like, help me place that you're like, absolutely, we will help you. And so the the teachability and sessions and how quickly we're able to get to a more hopeful, productive place, in my opinion, is like, man, we are primed, uh, especially in church circles, the, the fields are really ripe right now to get hope messages out to people, um, whether you're a therapist that's just trying to shine a light in dark places or whether or not as a congregation, you're wanting to move towards helping people to a more hopeful place. I just think the fields are ripe. And I think that those are one of the benefits is that anytime you go through a big deep dip, you're ready for the, you're ready to go uphill. Like you're, you're, you're just ready to. And I, I really do believe that there are a lot of people looking for answers, hope, healing, all of those things. And what better place to find that than, than in the church? So I, I think that that primes people to be able to seek out those things for themselves. And I'm excited for you guys as much as I'm excited for me. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, um, definitely thanks for your time today. And Chris, thanks for your time today as well. Um, always a pleasure. Um, and if you all it, who are watching this or listening to this, if you enjoyed it, man, stay tuned because we got two more episodes that are going to be coming off of this and we just dive into some more uh, questions concerning mental health, spirituality. Um, and then we're going to make it real practical in episode three um, on just how, what are some ways that we can even work on our own mental health as individuals. So can't wait to continue the dialogue. Thanks again.